excellent reminder as we come to hear from God this morning that he is in the heavens and he does all that he pleases, <laughs> um, that he um, stands alone, that there's no one like him. We're going to um, look at the book of Jude this morning. Um, it's seemingly a post-it note in, the t- in terms of um, Bible books, but um, <clears throat> it's got a very important message for us. Just, just one minute. I just need to do something. <laughs> Sorry. There we go. Just do that. Okay. So... We live in a numbers world. Um, the bigger the better, sometimes smaller the better, if you're looking at coronavirus infections. Um, especially now, um, we see that people are judged by numbers um, more than anything else. So I just want to go through a few um, facts. I did some research that um, the royal family has only 5 million subscribers, which is actually quite small considering the royal family. Um, the, the kind of impact and, and love that people feel for them, perhaps. Um, the biggest YouTuber in the UK is um, Pew, PewDiePie, um, and he, he has 95 million people subscribing to his videos. So when he puts a video out, 95 million people will see it pop up in their YouTube feeds or they get an email or a notification saying he's put a new video out, and people will watch it. Um, Instagram, Lewis Hamilton, famous racing driver and fashion icon, I suppose, Um, Sir Lewis Hamilton, he has got 21.6 million followers on Instagram, looking at all his pretty pictures. Um, Then you've got the king of pop, Michael Jackson. Um, He has 26.4 monthly listeners on Spotify. That's a lot of people tuning in to listen to a bit of... Um, thriller or, or whatever. Um, and then, you know, close to home, John Watson. Um, how many followers does he have on MySpace? Well, no one really knows. Um, and like all these things, these people, like, you kind of follow them because you like how they look or what they say or what they do on YouTube, Instagram, whatever, um, Spotify. Um, but I'm sure that they... No, no one really knows, none of their followers really know what they are like. Um, does the Queen slouch when no one else is looking? Does Lewis Hamilton ever speed when he's driving around? And does John Watson really like drinking coffee, or is it all a front? We never really truly know a heart of a, the heart of a person, but we have an inkling from their actions. Um, so we're going to look at the Book of Jude, which um, helps us to um, address this. So let's pray, and then we'll read Jude, all of it. Um, Don't worry, it's only 24 verses, 25 verses, sorry. Um, And then um, we'll we'll get going. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that it has been saved and written down for us to draw upon as a central point of reference um, in times uh, of trouble, in times of joy, um, when we're waiting, when we're rejoicing. Lord, we thank you that we can draw upon your word and we know that it is true um, because of so many reasons. Um, Lord, we pray this morning that you would um, speak to us through your word, through what I have to say. Um, Lord, would I decrease and would you increase? Um, In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Amen. So, <clears throat> let's go. So, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Jude. <laughs> um, look, find Revelation and go to the beginning of Revelation and turn the page back and then you'll find it. Um, so, verse 1. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you appealing to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, has kept in it, he has kept, sorry, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. And just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet in like manner, these people, these people who have crept in, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand and are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them, for they have walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feasts, as they feast with you without fear. Shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds, swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. It was also about these that Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousand of his own, sorry, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loud-mouthed boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. 
now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Amen. Right. I'm not done. <laughs> but that is just an amazing passage, amazing passage of Scripture. I love the benediction at the end. Um, gives us all the confidence we need to, to go and, and live lives that honour God. So let's quickly break down who was Jude. He says that he um, is a half-brother, sorry, he says he's a brother of James, which probably means he is probably a half-brother of Jesus himself. But he also says that he is a servant. And he says that, he comes in humility, he doesn't say, look, I'm Jesus' half-brother, you should listen to me. He says, I'm a servant of Christ. He knows that there is no one higher. And he knows that in showing that humility goes against those who he's writing about, these false teachers. So he's writing to people who are called, beloved, and kept. So they're called by God, they're loved by God, they are kept by or in Jesus. And this is a recurring theme in the book of Jude. So <clears throat> he's writing to a lot of um, Christians who are probably got some Jewish heritage, which is why you've got all these random, seemingly, quotes in here um, from, from books that, and, and passages and stories that you may not remember from the Bible, because some of them are from a, a Jewish text which they used um, at the time. Um, but anyway, let's leave that. Um, why is he writing to them? He thought he was going to write to them about common salvation. He says that in verse 3. He's writing to you about our common salvation. But instead, he's like scratched that, changed his plan, and he's going to be writing to them about, um, uh, <coughs> sorry, about this urgent message that he's got for them. I imagine the scroll would have been delivered um, first class, priority mail, urgent written all over it, you know, when you get like a, a fine or um, I don't know if you get a fine, what it looks like, I've never had a fine. Um, or maybe if you've got uh, late payment on something, you know, it'll be in red, you know, urgent, all that kind of stuff. Imagine that's what he's saying here, you know. I found it necessary to write to you, appealing to you to contend for the faith <clears throat> and look out for ungodly people who have crept into their churches and who are perverting the grace of God, who are saying that, you know, oh, God's forgiven everything, oh, we can just do what we want. And people who say, uh, now let's just do our own thing. God didn't really mean it when he said that. Notice in um, verse 3 that he says, contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. He doesn't say um, that we are to contend for faith in order to obtain faith, we are to contend for the faith that we already have. So remember that when we're talking about contending. I'm not talking about doing things in order to gain salvation. It's to do things to maintain one's salvation um, in tandem with what God is doing in your life. So um, I was going to have some slides of like horrible histories because there are a lot of horrible histories here. Um, and Jude knows his, his history. Um, as many of the Jewish um, people would as well at the time. And uh, he uses many stories passed down from generation to generation um, to, to show that God is uh, a God who will not leave sin unpunished. 
and is jealous for his lordship to be honoured and obeyed. So Jude proves there are plenty of lessons and, and warnings to take heed from, um, from people's experiences, and um, he goes into three very briefly here and then, then some more later on. So example one is that Jesus saves, but he also destroys. Sorry, not but, and he also destroys. If you've seen the Prince of Egypt or read much of Exodus, you'll know how the story goes. Um, but Jude summarizes it in one sentence here. Jesus saves the Israelites who believed out of Egypt and destroyed the Egyptians who did not. Maybe not completely, but you, know, you see that when they go through the Red Sea. He destroys the people, um, the Egyptians who come after, who do not believe. So that's something important to remember. Jude is saying that Jesus is God here because many people would think that God is the one who um, you know, saved people out of Israel, uh, sorry, out of Egypt, because you don't really hear about Jesus in the Old Testament. Um, but in fact, Jesus saved them out of um, Egypt. And Jesus also um, you know, destroyed, it says here, destroyed those who did not believe. Second example, sorry, before I go on. No, that is it. Second example, <laughs> um, the angels um, who rejected their authority, they didn't want it, they wanted to do their own thing, um, forfeited their authority and now kept in chains for gloomy darkness. That shows of how um, those that deny the lordship of Christ are kept in chains, are punished. And the last example, Sodom and Gomorrah, we know the story. They pursued an unnatural desire, indulged in wicked things, and are undergoing, I think it's, did it say undergoing? Yeah, serves as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal life, eternal, eternal fire, not eternal life, oh my goodness. <laughs> eternal fire, eternal fire. And so that example ties back to where Jude was talking about, um, he was talking about people who pervert the grace of our God. Okay. So from these, we can clearly see examples that God is, is um, not just a God of love, but he's also the God of judgment. Um, and I would much rather the God of love to also be the God of judgment rather than to have some completely separate entity. If we only preach one side, one side of God and not the other, then some people will be very surprised when they reach the pearly gates um, expecting to be let in. Jude then comes in with a punchline, says, you know, woe to these people, woe to these ungodly people who are bringing in, um, um, perversing the grace of God, who are denying Jesus. And then he uses three more examples in rapid, quick fire. He says the way of Cain, he says Balaam's error, and he mentions Korah's rebellion. Um, three, um, three, three Old Testament stories that tell us um, more about what Jude is trying to say about these people. So the way of Cain, remember Cain, he murdered his brother um, because he was jealous, and he was jealous because God didn't accept his sacrifice, and God didn't accept his sacrifice because he brought his sacrifice with impure motive. So Jude is saying that these ungodly people are deliberately going away that's not the way of the Lord, which is the way of Cain, because they are impure in motive. Then you've got Balaam's error. Um, Balaam told King Balak back in the Old Testament, obviously, um, how to get the Israelites to commit sin by enticing them with sexual immorality and 
food, sacrifice to idols, that kind of thing, that God had clearly said to them, do not do this. And yet they went ahead and did it. And God sent a plague as a result. So the Israelites were punished by God for their sexual sin. And so God will pervert, sorry, God will punish those who pervert grace to sensuality. And in Korah's rebellion, quite an interesting story, if you read it in Numbers 16, um, Korah rebelled with about 249 other people. Um, we're told 250, so I'm assuming that includes Korah. Um, and he, Korah goes up to Moses and he says, we don't need priests, everyone's holy, we can all go into the, t- to the temple and, and offer sacrifices. But Moses, um, you know, says, you know, recognises that this is not what God has commanded. Um, even though Korah says we're all holy, we can all go in. Um, Korah and his followers denied Moses' God-given authority and what had been the rules that had been set out. He effectively denied that Moses was God's messenger, could be tying that in with like Jesus, Moses as a type of Jesus. Um, and so these ungodly people um, were, sorry, so these ungodly people were gathered together, told to stand by the tents, and everyone else was told to move away from them. And one of the most amazing things in the Old Testament, I think, happened. The ground in the middle of the wilderness opened up and swallowed up um, all these people, their families, anyone associated with Korah, and all their possessions. That is just quite an amazing story that shows clearly how God punishes sin. So Jude knows that even though he can see the resulting judgment from these people's actions, he does not pass the judgment himself on the ungodly people that he refers to, but rather cries woe to them. He knows that there is some punishment coming for them. And he leaves that to God. And that's with this um, reference from um, Enoch about the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all who convict all of their ungodly deeds of ungodliness they have committed in such an ungodly way. So their actions they have done in an ungodly way, which is their motive, and the things that they have spoken against him, where they have um, gone against God's lordship. So maybe we need to just have a little think um, quickly about ourselves here. Think about, um, are there ways, are there things that we do are our motives, are our words um, godly or ungodly? Are we of the way of Cain, Balaam, or Korah, or are we um, following Jesus and submitted to him? So Jude doesn't leave us with that. He um, then tells us that we must contend for the faith, we must fight for the faith, and... Sorry, one second going to quick water break. So where Cora came with a different message, even now people can come with a different message to what has been given. Um, and as Cora comes with a message like, um, you might have heard the term universalism or, or something like that, where some Christians believe that it doesn't matter what we do, God's such an amazing God of love that he will just welcome everyone into heaven with open arms 
And he is such an amazing God of love. But he is also a God of judgment, as we can clearly see just from this short book in, in, in the Bible. And so we know that we can only come, that it is true that anyone can come to God, but that we can only come through Jesus Christ, through acknowledging that our sins are something which need to be forgiven and that we need to be clothed in his righteousness. The power of the gospel is that we are holy and anointed only in Christ so that we can then come. And we live in times, as I've said before, that where numbers count and successes, clicks, views on YouTube, money in the bank, followers on Twitter. Um, but as followers of Christ, we need to ensure that we keep ourselves from this kind of um, people-pleasing um, uh, attitude that can so quickly creep in and we can be influenced by the world. Um, we need to make sure that we keep ourselves just as well as Christ keeps us, as, as the, the book says. Um, so there is something for us to do as well as what Christ is doing. So we need to look out for those who, in the last times, he says, um, in verse 17, I think, yeah, verse 17, um, that people will come and they'll try and twist things. They'll follow their own ungodly passions. They might use the Bible, but they might twist it so they can pursue their own ungodly passions. So we need to be on the lookout for subtle changes that people might put across. And just because they're popular or they've got a, uh, a flashy production um, or, or something, we need to make sure that we look out for subtle changes because truth is something objective. Um, sorry. Yes, objective. Yeah, rather than subjective, meaning that it is the objective truth. There is one truth that we need to go from, and that is the word of God and, and through what he is saying. Um, we can be so easily swayed by the world into compromise um, on seemingly small matters, um, but then in the end, when you follow them through, always have a much greater impact. Um, it's like um, in A Bug's Life, um, you've got um, the locusts and the ants, and the locusts come and they nick all the ants' food, well, most of it anyway, and... Um, the ants turn around and, and rebel. And the locusts are like, hey, we don't need them anyway. We can, you know, we can just carry on. Um, but the main um, locust says to one of, one of the, the, the locusts that is like saying, oh, we don't need them. Um, you know, he gets like one, one thing, he throws it at him, and it's like, oh, that's nothing. And then he like opens this whole great big thing, and loads and loads of these seeds pop out and come, you know, total avalanche of seeds and bury this, this um, locust. And he says, look, if we let this one little ant stand up to us, then all the rest are going to follow, and then we're not going to be able to um, have an easy life <laughs> um, and nickel their food. So we need to watch out for ungodly people. Um, contend for the faith by watching out for ungodly people who might creep in. So one of the sneakiest creatures of literature, in my opinion, is Gollum in Lord of the Rings. He is constantly yearning for the ring that his supposed master has, Frodo. And we see the battle within Smeagol and Gollum, this, this creature, um, this old, old hobbit, has two kind of personalities going on. Um, the battle between the good and the bad within him. 
Um, but eventually, Gollum wins over. Sorry, I'm spoiling everything for anyone who hasn't seen it. Um, and he creeps in between the friendship of Frodo and Sam, our heroes in the um, story. And he creeps in and he twists truths and, you know, says that Sam really likes the special elvish bread that they've got. Um, and he stuffs his face and he's a fat hobbit and all this kind of stuff. Um, whereas Frodo is, is just under this weight of this ring um, and um, really struggling. Um, and sees that there's an affinity between him and Gollum because they kind of know what the ring is about, but Sam doesn't. And so where Frodo and Sam had a, had a good friendship, um, Gollum comes in and, and twists truths and causes division and slowly turns them against each other, culminating in a scene where they're on a, a really, really steep staircase. You'll see it in the film. Um, I'd love to show you a, a clip, but you'll have to do with my reenactment. Um, and... <clears throat> He says, um, he wait, Gollum waits until they're asleep. They're nice and soundly asleep. And he gets the, the, the bread that um, Sam apparently really, really likes. And he like, crumbles it and throws the rest of it away. And um, Sam kind of hears him scuffling around, wakes up, says, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> and he says, why are you sneaking around? What are you doing? And he, Gollum turns around and says, sneaking. And I really... Um, I think that's a great way of um, seeing how people who can creep in, sneak in, and twist things and ruin um, what, what, is, what is there. <clears throat> so we need to look out for those who um, pervert grace, who deny the Lordship of Christ, um, a little bit here, a little bit there. And remember, the Lord's command is to the Israelites um, in Joshua 1. He says, Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Jana mentioned something like that in, in the worship. And then Proverbs 4.27 says, Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. We don't hear much of this um, in these times. No one wants to be a killjoy. Um, you know, everyone wants to be happy, but it's important that we, um, for ourselves, and even more so for those that teach or in leadership, that we look out for those creeping and sneaking in left or right, and we stay on track. Some may not even realize they're doing it. Um, some might stray out of instinct. Jude said some of these ungodly people um, are blaspheming, sorry, the Lord's grace and things they do not understand. And instead of doing the hard work to understand things and to reason it through, just do the things that come easily um, and say, God will forgive it, it's okay. And for these ungodly people, they don't do the hard work that is sometimes required to study and understand somewhere at least the scriptures, or they do not want to wait on the Lord for his guidance and leading. We live in a very much a now society and I encourage you, wait on the Lord. Because when I started preparing this, <laughs> I said, Jude, really? Jude? Oh, man. And it was tough going. Um, and I hope that's not coming across in, <laughs> in this. Um, but I just want to encourage you, wait on the Lord. So instead of doing what comes instinctively without reason, um, we are to um, do things um, in spirit 
and truth. So spirit, perhaps a, a godly instinct, you might say, and truth, which is um, the word. Some Christians, sometimes, um, we can get on the slippery slope of, it's okay, God will forgive me, um, which he will. I don't want to deny that God is not gracious and forgiving. Paul says in Romans 8, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may also increase? Far from it. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? We must not use um, grace as a free pass for sin. If we live out our lives um, in thankfulness out of what Christ has done for us, we'll be much less likely to enter our way, um, enter this way of thinking, and so keep ourselves in the love of God. So we must be careful, I think, especially you know, in these days, that we keep the gospel relevant, but we do not allow the church to be influenced by culture, but rather that culture is influenced with the gospel. If we're just going along with what the world says, even if it sounds good, without checking it against scripture and God's heart, then we are not influencing culture. We're just going along with what they say. And I believe that the church, just not, not just Elton, but the wider church, must and can, in his power, be the countercultural solution to the issue rather than just going along with non-biblical, man-centered solutions to please people that are dreamt up by people who are um, sinful at heart and people who do not um, know God. Their solutions will never truly fix the problem because the problem at the end of the day is sin and the only one who can forgive sin is God himself. Two Peter one says, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. We are called as Jude says at the beginning of the letter, we are called from the world to um, Christ. If we are not distinct from the world, if we, if we look like the world, sound like the world, then we are not doing it right. So we are to watch out for ungodly people who creep in. We are um, to watch out for people who pervert God's grace. We are to look out for people who deny the lordship of Christ. And we are saved by Jesus, and you're not much of a church if you don't believe that. Um, well, I guess the Scientologists, they call themselves a church, but anyway. Um, they, they do not believe that, just to be clear. <laughs> um, but we are saved by Jesus, and it must bring fruit from that point, as I said before, living lives which are in submission to the Lordship of Christ. So often we see in here of those that receive salvation, um, and yet fall in other areas because they do not submit to the lordship of Christ. Our lives, our church, are submitted to, sorry, are our lives and our church submitted to his lordship or we deny his lordship because it isn't cool or culturally acceptable or, or relevant perhaps? Yes, we might look strange to those looking on, even other Christians, but we must live in a way that pleases God, not man. We must keep ourselves, both individually 
and collectively in the love of God. Jude has spoken on, um, sorry, this has been spoken on before, knowing the importance of Christ as Saviour and Lord of our lives. And Jude's examples of the, the ones defi- denying God's authority all show that God is ultimately in control. We might guess away with it now, but God will pass judgment and punishment on those who deny his authority. Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of their deeds of ungodliness that they've committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. <clears throat> Jude continues, and he says, rattles off those few... Um, <clears throat> few characteristics of, of these ungodly who are grumblers, malcontents, not content, um, following their own simple desires, who are boastful, who are showing favoritism for their own advantage. Um, it's easy to grumble and complain, isn't it? It's easy to follow our simple desires, and it's evil, easy to be boastful and to gain advantage. We are sinful at heart, and we all need to recognize that um, you know, we are all in need of, um, uh, uh, we are all in need of God's um, grace to keep us in his love and for us to work at that as well. And it's not just us, we need to look at those who we follow. Are they doing the same? We need to make a judgment call. So we need to, um, <coughs> sorry. So we need to um, look out for those who creep in, those ungodly people who creep in and pervert God's grace, who deny the lordship of Christ. And then we need to, um, Jude then gives us some instruction here. He says, um, Beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by flesh. I work for a, a large um, hospital trust in London, and we do a lot of um, work with um, IT and networks, that kind of thing. Um, and um, I'm sure you're aware that there are many things called computer viruses, and um, these are very bad things, for, especially for a hospital. Um, so we have something which is very secure, um, maybe even two, I'm trying to remember now, maybe even two. We have two firewalls, perhaps maybe even more, that they haven't told me about. Um, but um, we need to tell the firewalls what data to let in and what data to let out. Um, so that we, and we need to know where it has come from and where it's going. Um, they will only allow specific things. If you try and come in with something else that isn't on the list, it's not coming in. I imagine it's like a big burly bouncer at a nightclub. Um, your name's not down, you're not coming in. Um, so we have to specify these kind of data and, and destinations that we allow. Um, and there'll be no point in not having a file and just letting everything through because our patient's data and um, everything else wouldn't be safe. And so in a similar manner, we need to say to what we hear, um, maybe from um, online, TV, what we hear on the news. <clears throat> now, I'm not just talking about um, Christian things. I'm talking about 
non-Christian things, secular non-Christian things around, yeah, things as well. Um, does it line up with scripture? Does it deny Christ's salvation? Does it deny Christ's lordship? Does it prefer grace? Is it on the list? We have enough examples here in Jude's little letter of like Korah against God's authority. Um, sorry, I've jumped a line there. We have enough examples here in Jude's little letter of those that follow others down a path which is not the way of the Lord, like Cain, people are in the way of Cain. Um, people who are rebellious like Korah and follow along with him and get swallowed up by the ground. Um, and that which is sexually immoral, like the Israelites in Balaam's error. Um, like Moses, we need to be um, alert and make the call on whether people are wrong um, about what they are saying. We can go to God with what they have, and we can say, Lord, is this what, what you are saying? And we can go to God's word, and we can say, is this what you say in the word? We might not expect false teachers to be swallowed up in the ground these days. Um, God doesn't change. <laughs> but we must be on the lookout for these that, um, who, are, who are not teaching the right things, who pervert grace and deny God's lordship. And we need to make a call. So in the closing verses, Jude reminds us that we should keep ourselves just as Jesus himself keeps us. And when I say ourselves, I mean, I don't just mean individually, but as a body, we are a church, we are a community, and um, it's not for individuals. We are his church, his bride, and as we build and keep each other, um, as well as ourselves, we will grow together and become stronger. We will, grow, we, will build our, we will build ourselves up in our most holy faith by praying in the Spirit, by waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. So we need to be the firewalls to ourselves, to our, uh, our friends, our community, our churches, um, to our own walks with God. We need to be thinking about what is said and weighing it up against the scripture, not just going along with it because it feels good, sounds good, makes life easy. Um, we need to be looking out for those in our fellowship and we need to be looking out for um, people who might be going you know, slightly off track. Um, and Jude gives us two techniques in verses 22 and 23 first technique in verse 22 is that on some you need to show um, mercy have mercy on those who doubt so if you have got someone that you know of who is maybe just thinking about oh that sounds really good I like that if I give them my money I'll get loads of money back yeah mm. um, you have to have mercy and go to those people who are perhaps timid or unsure who are maybe easily swayed um, but you are to go with fear um, sorry, no, so that's the next part. Um, so the, the other way of going about it in verse 23 is that we need a more direct approach to snatch people out of the fire. What an amazing picture of just the, what's at stake. Um, and we need to show mercy with fear. So we need to go in there, we need to um, pull them out of the fire, but we need to be careful because we could also fall into the same temptation and that's what the fear is about so we need to look out for the ungodly people creeping into our into our worlds into our church into the wider church and we need to look out for our community we need to reach out um, for those who creep in um, who um, deny the lordship of christ who um, 
pervert the grace of God and who deny God's lordship. And as we contend for the faith which has been given to us, God will keep you as we also keep each other. So just to close, perhaps Jenna and the team would like to come. Um, as we close, um, Jude ends his letter with a benediction, um, which at my old church um, was a very popular benediction to read out right at the very end before everyone left. Um, I can almost say it verbatim, but I'm going to read it. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, so we can rely on God to keep us from stumbling, he'll keep us in like a military guard kind of way, and he will present us blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. His goal for us is to present us as blameless in his presence, not in fear, but in joy. And he will do so because God justifies, those he justifies, he also glorifies in Romans. And then to the only God, which is the God who is able to keep us from stumbling, our Saviour, so he saves us, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, be majesty, be dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen.